0: Hello, welcome to uh, everybody out there on shortwave tonight on uh, 5130 on WBCQ. This is a Amateur Radio Roundtable. You're listening to 60's music right now. Uh, we're going to start a ham radio show up in about 25 minutes. So uh, if you want to know what ham radio is about, stick around. But uh, in the meantime, uh, just listen to the music if you want to. And send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are in the world and how you're hearing us.
1: Crimson
2: flames tap through my ears flowing high and mighty traps Countless fire and flaming rope Using ideas as my maps We'll meet our edges soon, said I proud. defeated brow I was, I was so much older than I'm younger than younger that, than that. Older than I'm younger than that now in a soldier's stand- Deceived me into thinking I had something to protect Good and bad, I define these terms quite clear, no doubt, somehow oh, I'm so much older than I'm younger than that now
0: Listening on WBCQ, International Shore Air Station 5130 from Monticello, Maine. And this is Amateur Radio Roundtable. We're going to start a ham radio show in just about, uh, about 20 minutes. If you'd like to know what ham radio is about, uh, join us. Uh, I think you'll uh, find some interesting topics that we cover. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. And uh, if you want to join the show tonight, you can watch it. If you have Internet capability, wherever you are in the world, just go to W5KUB.com and and click on uh, video and chat room and you'll uh, be joining us. look at Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal, is truly the pinnacle of hf perfection it has dual receivers digital if filters high resolution spectrum waterfall the ic7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an sdr transceiver features include rf direct sampling 110 db rmdr independent dual receivers Create your own band opening with the IC-9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. Smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur.
1: It's new to me.
3: I've been putting this together for the last month and a half, thereabouts, and I honestly. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
3: and it's the thing is, I have kept this very quiet. Uh, at this point, there are probably only five to six people on the planet that know, and three of them are being watched. So and if they the say. And two cats. They're probably streaming it right now. (laughs)
4: Who's (laughs) watching (laughs) them?
3: That's the problem. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, literally, this has been a hush-hush project uh, in that, and it's not anything hush-hush. It's just I wanted to release it here and announce it here because I love Huntsville. And I think you guys would appreciate where I'm going. Now, you have to understand, I'm here to have fun. The Arduino is supposed to be fun. I am here to have fun. And please hold your questions to the end. Feel free to laugh your guts out if you wish. Throw tomatoes if you want. you uh, what, what? You're too expensive now. Oh, that's true too. I'm saved by the bell. <laughs> You're going to melt my boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just throw <laughs> your shoes at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and, and too. <laughs> here you
3: go. Okay, I'm Glenn Popio, KW5GP. I write the ARRL Arduino books, and I also wrote uh, their high-speed multimedia book, which is basically microwave and mesh networking. And I actually saw a couple of copies down at uh, the JMR sales booth, which is now chat radio. And so there's a couple of signed books of that down there if you want them. But now let's go ahead and get into this. Like I say, I have not seen a lot of these slides or don't remember seeing them because they were done at midnight. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. Oh, crap. Wrong presentation.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> got to fix this. That was for somebody else. Let's uh, try this one more time. That's the wrong next generation. So who am I? I'm a network engineer and technology consultant for HCC Global Services in Memphis, Tennessee. I was first licensed as a ham back in 1973. We drove Flintstone cars back then. Uh, I've got over 45 years in the computer and electronics field. Today I'm doing my uh, networking and network engineering. I started out doing jet engine remote data acquisition systems, telemetry, and control on projects such as the SR-71, the F-14, 15, 16, and a whole host of others, including the Black Hawk helicopter. And uh, I'm also author of ARRL's Arduino for Ham Radio book series, along with the occasional QST article and product review. (laughs) I also show purebred cats, as Bill discussed here. Uh, I had the 15th best of all cats and the best Maine Coon female in the world in 1989, and it's a boy's world. Uh, and that included winning a best in show at Madison Square Garden, which at the time was the equivalent of the Westminster dog show, except it's for cats. My current pair are actually from that same genetic line. They're litter sisters, and they're also world champions. They double as editorial assistants, <laughs> parts thieves. Let me tell you stories about the parts thefts. The project build supervisors and general nuisances. And, typical of most editors, they have to work with my material. Um, When they try to get on the editorial work, they got to sleep on it first. And while they have fancy registered names, they're nicknamed Godzilla and Rodan for obvious reasons. I think one of the reasons that I enjoy the main Coon is that they are basically Kit Kats. And I know you came here for the Arduino, but there's a purpose here. They come from the factory like this. Now, they're not fully assembled. (laughs) All you have to do is add food and water, and you get this. Godzilla's 22 pounds, 3 feet, 4 inches long. That's a few inches over a meter. So spread your arms and and carry 22 pounds. So grab two 10-pound sacks of potatoes. Uh, Her sister, I call the small one, (laughs) has got a 5-foot, 9-inch vertical leap. Stand up for a second. Miss Oshan? Oh, yeah. She's the height (laughs) of the lady in here to give you an idea of how big this thing is. And I call her the little one. Okay, thank you. Sorry. And I told you all of that just so I could tell you this. Both are now world famous calendar girls, (laughs) along with with Dave Minster's cat, who's on the (laughs) cover. Of the 2022 AWRL calendar that features cats and shacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Had to do that and unfortunately that's no longer available so go beat up on Dave Minster and tell him you want him in there again. My latest book More Arduino for Ham Radio is also now available from ARRL. This book includes another group of completely new and unique ham radio related projects some of these projects are actually multiple projects within a project. So you see 10 projects in the book? No, it's more like 15 and 20 once you actually get into the projects. So there's a whole lot of new projects that you can build. So now, let's get into the Arduino part, which is why you're here. First, we need to set our Wayback Machine to 1988. How many, of them, how many of you remember Sherman and Peabody? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love them. I grew up with them. Uh, in 1988, I wrote a magazine article that predicted the future of computer technology. The article was titled, How Far Are We From HAL?" And it was a discussion of how, the computer in Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 A Space Odyssey, the computer technology of 1988, and what technological advances would need to take place to create a computer similar to HAL. The article outlined the advancements that would be needed in processing power, speech, voice recognition, and vision technologies. It also covered the advances that would be required in storage. Remember, in 1988, PC memory was extremely limited, as was the disk, and it's expensive. Back then, one meg of memory cost 550 bucks. A 30-meg hard drive cost 450 bucks, and that's in 1988 dollars. One simple photo today would have filled up that entire hard drive. So, we're talking megabytes, not gigabytes or terabytes. The article even predicted solid-state disk technology and the demise of magnetic tape. 1988, I thought I did pretty good. All in all, mainly a result of some very lucky guesswork. And my lucky magic eight ball. Um, That article really did prove to be quite prophetic. In fact, The lowly Arduino can and is doing a lot of things that was predicted in that article today. And it's doing it with very inexpensive components. We don't even think twice about such things as Alexa, the Ring doorbell, and the other advanced technologies that we use today. For reference, the control data supercomputers used by NASA back in the Apollo missions had a 60-bit CPU running at 10 megahertz with 982K of RAM. And that was magnetic core memory. In many respects the Uno is equally as powerful as those multi-million dollar room-filling monsters. And it uses far less power than the thirty kilowatts each that those sixty-six hundreds used. I often spoke of the computer world eventually unifying under a single programming language that would or programming environment that would work with whatever hardware vendor you chose. Hello, Arduino. <laughs> While we're not quite there, and probably never will be 100%, we're really close. The Arduino comes very close to proving that one language to rule them all, to be quite prophetic as well. I don't have enough hands. When are we going to evolve to have three hands, four hands? So let's dig out my trusty old magic eight ball that I used to write that article. We're going to shake it up and see what it can tell us. But, oh, by the way, did you know that these things kind of get a little volatile with the fluid inside after they've been sitting up for a number of years? Um, Shaking this one up might not be a good idea. So instead... It's time for an upgrade. Did you know it's actually fairly easy to open up a Magic Eight Ball? You can remove the inside. The key component is a twenty-sided die that's inside a liquid-filled cylinder, right there. And all you got to do is cut around the edge of the seam. So it cleans out pretty easy. So why don't we take an Arduino Nano? a 128 by 32 pixel organic LED, and put it inside. Then, a customized sketch based on the Instructables uh, website's Magic 8-Ball with an Attitude uh, can then be loaded on the Nano. And as you can see, it does indeed have an Attitude. Now, before we rattle this new Genie's Cage, let's look back on where we've come from. The Arduino has definitely come a long way since 2005. There are now all manner of Arduinos and Arduino variants, in addition to the original Arduino Uno and Nano that I have traditionally used to build some really cool projects. Most of these new microcontrollers are supported in the Arduino IDE and are every bit as easy to program as the original Arduino Uno. The Arduino Uno and Nano both use the 18-mega-328 chip, which gives us an 8-bit, 16-megahertz CPU, 32K of flash, 2K of RAM, 1K of double EEPROM. It's got 14 digital I.O. pins, and six of those can do pulse-width modulation. It's got six analog inputs, and the Nano actually has eight that go to a 10-bit analog-to-digital converter. These analog pins can also be used for digital I.O. if you need additional digital I.O. pins. It's powered by 7 to 20 volts DC with a regulator on the board or via the onboard USB port. It also has an SPI and an I2C bus on the board. But I also found some new ones that we really need to include in this discussion. You've got the the Pico, and this is not to be confused with the Raspberry Pi Pico. It is the size of a dime. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the Mini Uno, which is the size of a quarter. And they both use the 18 Mega 328, but they have a smaller footprint. The Mini Mega at the bottom, as you gentlemen were talking earlier, the 18 Mega 2560, it is the 2560, but it's three-quarters the size of an Uno. But now it's time to take a giant leap. You've always heard me say that when it comes to the Arduino, that you're only limited by your imagination. I still feel that nothing can be more true than that simple little statement. For my first three Arduino books, I focused mainly on the Uno and Nano, and primarily because of their low cost simplicity and ease of use. But there's one thing that you don't know and that I really wouldn't talk about. I was embarrassed. And I do need to warn you from this point forward. Please make sure that your seatbelt and shoulder restraint are firmly fastened. Make sure your train tray tables in the full and upright position, because we're about to crank things up to about an 11 or 12. And if you don't have a seatbelt and restraint, raise your hand. Um, we will see that somebody holds you down. <laughs> I was on a quest. I've been constantly looking for the perfect next level Arduino processor board. To create advanced projects, I knew that I'd need more CPU horsepower, more memory, everything than the Uno and Nano could provide. I needed more ioa higher resolution A to D, more flash memory, more RAM. I needed the kitchen sink. And it had to be inexpensive. In other words, I seek the grail. <laughs> During my quest, I found Arduino-compatible boards that came close to what I was looking for, but were not quite in. The STM32 family that includes the Blue Pill is inexpensive, it's fast, it integrates in the Arduino IDE, and meets much of the criteria. But the various versions of the board may or may not come with the Arduino bootloader pre-installed and it uses a slightly different sketch upload procedure, so you might have to go through some extra steps to bring it fully into the Arduino IDE environment. The ESP32 and 8266 are also close, and they come with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and other features, and they're inexpensive. But again, they just miss triggering my grail detector, which, of course, it's Arduino-powered. The STM32 is a family of microcontrollers my memory stops. based on the ARM Cortex-M series of CPUs. The blue pill version has a 72 megahertz compared to the 16 of the UNO uh, Cortex-M3. It's got 64K of flash, 20K of RAM. It's got 32 digital I.O. pins. 12 of those are capable of pulse width modulation. You've got 14 analog input pins, three serial UART pins. Um, Two SBI buses, two I2C buses, and it's a whopping $3. Wow. But depending on where you get it, the board may or may not have the Arduino bootloader pre-installed, and this requires those extra steps to fully be used with the Arduino IDE, not in the grail. The uh, Expressive ESP32 microcontroller is an updated version of the ESP8266, and it offers wi- Wi-Fi along with both Bluetooth and Bluetooth BLE. Um, it's got, you can get it in available, uh, 10 silica, 32 bit CPU and it, you can get them in 160 to 240 megahertz, four to 16 mega flash, 38 to 77 IO pins. If you've got a project that needs 77 IO pins, talk to me about it.
0: <laughs>
3: we, we can make millions of dollars with whatever it is. Um, you've got up to 18 12 bit A to D pins. Same goes. Who needs 18? Um. Two 8-bit D to A. This is a first. I like having the digital to analog capability. Uh, Ten capacity of touch switch sensors, four SPI channels, two I2C channels, three serial UARTs. up to eight channels of infrared remote control, up to 16 channels of pulse width modulation pins. It's even got an integrated hall effect sensor on on the chip, and it runs on 3.3 volts, and it costs about three bucks. Wow. It's a good option. Especially with the integrated Bluetooth and Wi Fi. And I'll probably have some ESP32 projects in a future book. But it's not the grail. Here are some other boards that came close. Early on, the 80 megahertz 32 bit microchip UC32, formerly the Uno 32, was a contender. But at over 50 bucks, it's still too expensive to want to work with. I'm cheap. The Teensy series of Arduinos comes very close with the 4.1 having a 600 megahertz, a 32-bit ARM Cortex-M7 processor, eight mega flash, one mega RAM, and 4K of double EEPROM. It has 55 digital I/O pins, 18 analog inputs, and a selectable A to D resolution of 10 or 12 bits, and a ton of other features. The 4.1 is so close to what I was seeking that there will most likely be some teensy projects in one of my future books. But, again, at $32, it's a bit on the expensive side. So, the quest continued, but I do have to admit, I began to lose faith. Would I ever find what I was looking for? About a year or so ago, I was approached by ARRL to write a book on a uh, ham radio-related Python project using a specific microcontroller board. I declined at the time, as I felt that there was more for me to do with the Arduino still, it warranted a second look. <coughs> On the hardware side, this new microcontroller fit the bill. It has a dual core, 133 megahertz ARM Cortex M0+, 2 mega flash, 256K of RAM, 26 digital I.O. pins, and three 12-bit analog to digital inputs. And I bet you there's about a half dozen people in the room that know where I'm going right now. Okay. <coughs> Somebody blew my mind when I did a form a couple weeks ago, and they're like, yeah, but I can't tell you.
0: you
3: 58 minutes. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. It has two I2C buses, uh, two UARTs, and 16 of those pins can do pulse width modulation. It even has eight user programmable PIO state machines so that you can create your own custom hardware peripheral support. To add more icing to this cake, it has an on-chip real-time clock and temperature sensor and its onboard MicroPython, UGG, supports two simultaneous processing threads, meaning that it can run two separate programs at the same time. But I didn't want to do Python, and the darn thing ran Python. Or did it? At this point, I was still not convinced that I had found the grail. I did not want to learn Python. I did not care that the board cost a mere $4 if it meant that I had to learn Python. Period. End of story. I'm not interested. Cue the next news feed, please. Further research into this new microcontroller caused me to take a second look at Python. To this point, my impression on Python had been that it was a scripting language for PCs. I'm still not interested. Can't can't get excited about it. But it turns out that that initial impression was not quite correct. Further investigation revealed that Python on microcontrollers is becoming more and more like the basic programming language we had back in the 1980s. It's simple, it's easy to learn, and it's easy to use. But on it, it was still Python. And it didn't integrate into the Arduino IDE, so why are we here talking about this thing? So we'd have to relearn everything that we knew. This cannot be the grail. Search continues. Next news feed. Detailed the operation of this microcontroller and revealed that it had features that allowed the user to change the programming language from the official MicroPython distribution to other language such as SparkFun CircuitPython and a C, C++ compiler. The boot image could be changed with a simple press of the boot select button on the board. Still, there was no Arduino support. This is not the grail we're looking for. Let's clap those coconuts together and ride on. (laughs) But wait, there's more. The final piece of this message finally got through loud and clear. Earl Philhauer has created an unofficial translation of the Arduino ecosystem to the UF2 bootloader image that this new microcontroller uses, and it's available for free on GitHub. Then there came the announcement of an official Arduino bootload image for this new microcontroller. This means that this little $4 board now meets all of the conditions to be my holy grail of the Arduino world. But this new microcontroller comes from the most unlikely source. Could we have been looking in the wrong place this entire time? Let me introduce you to the Raspberry Pi Pico. Indeed, there's some sorcery in this thing. <coughs> raspberry Pi. Well, not quite. It's the Raspberry Pi Pico. It's based on the RP2040 microcontroller family from, yes, the Raspberry Pi folks. Let's take a closer look. I still think this thing is fake. Can't be the real grail. Did someone spike our punch? Actually, on my way home from St. Louis in January, I picked up two, so they are real. It has a dual core, 133 megahertz on Cortex M0 Plus, two mega flash, 256K of RAM, 26 digital I.O. pins, 16 can do pulse width modulation, three digital, uh, 12-bit digital, uh, I'm sorry, analog to digital inputs, two SPI buses, two I2C buses, two serial UARTs. It even has USB host capability, eight PIO state machines. It's got an accurate on-chip real-time clock and a temperature sensor, sensor, and it costs $4 and is readily available today in spite of the chip shortage. I bought two of them at retail at Micro Center in St. Louis in January for $4 each. So in my opinion, this does have to be the grill. It has all the horsepower, memory, IO, and a ton of other features to build some really nice Arduino projects. Think SDR. With the Arduino bootload image, it can seamlessly integrate into the Arduino ecosystem. Most of the existing Arduino modules and libraries are directly supported. For me, personally, this is the low-cost microcontroller I've been looking for in order to take my Arduino projects to the next level. And yet, you retain the ease and simplicity of the Arduino development environment. No Python.
1: (laughs) This quest has
3: finally somehow managed to reach a happy ending. The future of Arduino projects for me looks very bright for now. But uh, does anybody know what those dark clouds off in the distance just might mean? But well, wait, before we go deal with that, there are several new versions of the Pi Pico that have just been released, and they're still in the $4 to $6 range. The Pi Pico W now includes an onboard Wi-Fi chip. This chip supports 802.11b, G, and N modes. And while the chip itself supports Bluetooth Classic and Bluetooth BLE, the initial release of the Pico W will only support the 2.4 gig Wi-Fi modes. The other two versions are the H and the WH, and these are simply the same first two boards with the headers pre-installed on the boards. But there's even more. Other vendors are now jumping on this bandwagon and creating boards based on the RP2040. The Wii Act RP20 is a Pico style board with 16 mega flash instead of the Pico mm-hmm. standard 2. If you can't do it in 16 megs, you know. You're going to need a bigger boat. And it's only $8 from AliExpress. The RP2040 Zero board is based on the RP2040, but with a smaller footprint and fewer I.O. pins, again, close to the size of a dime, and it's $6 from AliExpress. And these are readily available. I get the, I got them about three weeks from China. And there's even more. The Lilygo T-Pico C3, there's a mouthful, has both the Raspberry Pi Pico 2040 and an ESP32C3 on a single board and they threw in a 125 by 240 pixel (laughs) 1.14 inch color tft display all on this one little itty bitty board the esp32 c3 is a single core 32 bit 160 megahertz cpu with 400k of ram 384k of flash with 22 programmable i-o pins onboard wi-fi and bluetooth and has an onboard jst connector so you can hook up a lipo battery Switching between the Pico and the ESP32 is done simply by turning the USB-C programming cable over.
1: <laughs> An onboard
3: LED, isn't that neat?
1: Yes. An onboard
3: LED will light green or blue to indicate which processor is active, oh and this is only That's $13. Nice. That is, everything's right there on one little board. But there's still more. The Lilligo T-Display RP2040 is a 2040 board. With that same display, and it includes an onboard JSA. it just doesn't have the STM32, and it's 13 bucks. Finally, the RP2040 development board has an onboard 70 by 40 pixel, 0.42 inch liquid crystal display, and it also features a QWICC I2C too many initials connector, and it's 12 dollars from Banggood. So as you can see, there is already an ever broadening list of choices for the Pico type board. So you're not limited just to Raspberry Pi's distribution. And let's just throw one or two more in for good measure. The Pimoroni Tufty 2040 has a built-in 2.4 inch color display. It's designed to be a color LCD badge. Has five push-button switches and a JST connector for external power. Runs on three AAA's or a lipo battery. It's 28 bucks, but unfortunately the shipping cost is about the same coming from Europe, so a little bit high for right now. Hopefully they'll, they'll get a stateside distributor. The Pimeroni Badger 2040 uses the e-ink display, and it's $16.50, but again, the shipping cost is still just a hair high. So where does this leave me? I'm currently working on a Best of Arduino, due uh, to be turned into ARRL in December. This is the Best projects in my mind from the first three books. So, if you've got a favorite that you would like to see included in this book, now is the time to either send me an email or let me know, and uh, I will see if there's room to stick it in that book because I'm still forming the book. It's it's about half written, but there's there's room. The projects will be upgraded with modern components such as color displays, new text-to-speech modules, and much much more. And of course the sketches themselves will be updated and new features are going to be added. Now, remember those dark clouds we talked about? Naturally, we're going to have to have a cliffhanger if I'm going to get you guys back here next year, right? So we've got to leave room for a sequel. Everyone knows that real quests for knowledge are never-ending, and it's true in this instance as well. Again, as with any quest, this journey has changed and enlightened me. Part of the reason I'm a ham, work with microcontrollers, write the books, present these fun forums, and enjoy all the wonderful aspects of the amateur radio community, is the personal challenge to research, discover, and continue to learn new and exciting things. This quest has indeed changed me. For lack of better words, I strayed too far into the light Mm -hmm. while on this quest. My eyes have been opened to new and wonderfully exciting things, and I can't unsee what I have seen. I can't unlearn what I've learned. And I'm not sure I really want to. Nothing ever stays the same. In the world of ham radio, kit, and project building, electronics and technology in general, nothing ever stays the same. Things are constantly changing. So here we are, standing on the edge of the future looking at our Magic 8-Ball again. And we're not going to shake that thing up. Uh, Do we stay here, safe and secure in the Arduino world? Or do we continue forward, walking on that razor's edge into the unknown? I've already asked my Magic 8-Ball, and it knows this answer. So, let's shake that one again, the new one, and see what it has to say. Yeah, I do love this new Magic (laughs) 8-Ball. Why not have the best of both worlds? It's not an exclusive environment here. As I've said, everything is constantly changing around us. This is also true in the microcontroller world. We'll always have the Arduino, but it seems the microcontroller world is moving towards Python-based microcontrollers. And why not? Python's been called the basic of the new millennium. It's easy to learn and it's easy to use. And a cool thing about Python is that you can run it both interpretively and compiled. (coughs) This drastically speeds up your creative process and potentially saves you a ton of time waiting for your programs to compile, upload, oops, I had a bug, compile, upload again, doggone it, have a typo, upload again and again and again. So with Python and the interpretive, you can actually test it right there. So is this the end of Arduino? Absolutely not. Do not even think it. But it does say that we have more options than ever in regards to our microcontroller projects. Microcontrollers such as the Raspberry Pi Pico are just the leading edge of a whole new generation of microcontrollers. The multiple programming language capability of the Pico adds even more choices to our microcontroller arsenal. Now you can design and build with a single hardware platform and choose the programming language that's best for your project at hand. But for me, the thought on using Python on the computer, yeah, I have to admit, it got me. It's kind of seductive. See, that's Python calling right now. (laughs) Um, The Raspberry Pi Pico was designed around MicroPython and the ability to switch to a new programming environment later on down the road. It gives us a very flexible and long-lived development environment. The Arduino world is just now beginning to embrace the real, free uh, real-time, multi-threading and multitasking capabilities with such tools as the free RTOS, which is free real-time operating system. And this requires a higher-end Arduino. It won't, want, won't run on the Uno and Nano. Needs you know something you know 70 meg and higher. The Python is inherently multi-threaded, and in the case of the Pico, you can natively run two programs simultaneously, one in each core. Which leads me to say, yet again, there are no limits. When it comes to the world of microcontrollers, you really are only limited by your imagination. As long as it doesn't violate the laws of physics. Now, if it does appear to violate the laws of physics, before you totally give up, try a bigger hammer, more voltage, <laughs> borrow my other magic eight ball, you know, something along that line, take care of it. But now for me, have I chosen wisely? (laughs) ARRL and I now have plans for at least two books beyond the Best of Arduino series. Both of those are gonna focus on the Raspberry Pi Pico. The first book will use Pico and probably a few other microcontrollers using the Arduino programming language, the IDE and the ecosystem. So it will be another Arduino book. The second book is gonna be focused uh, on using the Raspberry Pi Pico and that word I can't say Pi. And and I can't talk about this yet. there are even more books in the work. We are, as of this morning, we're actually now at a total of seven books as fast as they can get turned out. I'm a one year a book kind of guy, so this is gonna get fun. Uh, so yeah. It's looking like that. We don't have the exact number because, quite honestly, we're still negotiating the price of my soul.
1: <laughs> and
3: does anybody have a Kelley Blue Book that might list the cost of a kind of old soul? You know, just got a few dents and dings, good, good paint. You know, it runs good, sort of. Had the engine rebuilt a few years ago. Um, but your journey is just beginning. You are builders, thinkers, creators, and inventors. You're a perfect match for the Arduino and the microcontroller world. Now, imagine the projects that you can build now that you know this next level. You can build it with the Arduino and other microcontrollers. And then go make them happen. It's not that hard. It really isn't. And it's cheap. So with that, (laughs) I am done. Any questions, comments? Yes, sir.
4: I thought in your requirements for the Grail, I thought you had listed analog output pins, but I did not see analog output pins listed in the i That's correct. Analog output was not
3: a requirement. Oh. I needed input. And if I need output, there are external chips that run on I2C that you can use
4: in and when interface. When you have pulse width, what is your recommendation to get a very specific analog output voltage converted? Is it like a digital potentiometer, when
3: you when you use pulse List, I'm generally not looking to generate a particular voltage. That's where you would need the D to A. I'm looking to uh, generate a a varying pulse, a, signal. A, a digital pulse to control motors, servos, and things that are pulse. It's all right. I, I haven't heard.
4: found a good answer anywhere. Yeah. For getting a very specific voltage to come out For
3: of a very specific voltage, the only way that I know of is to use a digital to analog converter.
0: He could probably use a pi network that was controlled by res- a, a
3: resistive yeah. D to A, yeah. And that's actually listed in my <laughs> first or second book. Anybody else? Yes,
4: sir. Did you, uh, you mention RTOS? Is that something that's compatible with the Python development environment? I don't know.
3: Uh, At this point, RTOS was uh, designed for the Arduino or the version that I'm familiar with. But it's Python, I'm sure that they're going to have something similar right now because Python was designed to be multi-threaded.
4: So I think you're going to see a lot of that moving forward. You teased uh, a software SDR in one of your statements. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be possible to create a smart uh, receive antenna that... uh, had the ability to digitize the signal at the antenna.
3: Yeah. The question here is, can
4: you uh, digitize the
3: received signal similar to an SDR and then transmit that digital down the line? And the answer would be yes. Uh, you can get a fast enough uh, A to D and do the slicing right there at the at the antenna end, and, and then feed it down over a Ethernet. The
4: uh, interface using the I2C as a bus? You well, your
3: interfa- you've, you've got a, the, the question was how how would you interface this in the I2C bus? You can do it on I2C, but you also have Wi-Fi, the LoRa uh, modes uh, that work with the uh, uh, the industrial, the ISM band <clears throat> stuff, uh, Adafruit's feather line, or you could go with Ethernet. and you, you could use any of those communications. I personally would go with Wi-Fi. You can also use Bluetooth. Anybody else? Are y'all just looking at me like I've gone crazy and over the deep (laughs) end?
0: I've done that for years. Yeah,
3: (laughs) yes, sir.
4: Do you think uh, you'd be the perfect person to ask? Obviously, I'm not perfect in anything. You'll be perfect at this, I'm I'm predicting. Um, As we move, maybe we move away from our we know trademark name. We get into these things like. Go and and uh, and some of the others that you listed and and embedded Python. We move into that, and yet people still say, "Can you hand me a Kleenex?" Yes. Does our Arduino become the equivalent of Kleenex?
3: <coughs> I would say it's already become that way. Yeah. Because I I just call it an Arduino, and it's a, an STM, and actually the Nano is not an official Arduino board. Yeah. And so yeah, I think it's just been all been covered that if it works with the IDE, technically it's an Arduino. And fortunately, because it's open source, they're not really enforcing that trademark per se. They are enforcing the Arduino product, but they're not really enforcing. You know, if it works with Arduino, it's close enough. Call it on Arduino. (laughs) Kind of like Kleenex. You know, the cat's already out of the bag. Can't put it back. Yes, Bill.
5: My uh, balloon tracker uses the Atmel 328P, and I program it and uh, test it all in their Arduino environment. Yeah. So I guess you
3: could call it an Arduino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an ATML AT 328 which is the Uno, Nano, and the whole nine yards. So again, where do you draw that generic line? And since you're programming over the Arduino environment, i call it an Arduino and be done with it. Let's not argue over the semantics of who's what. You know, Just use it.
4: Yes, sir? Can you uh, give an overview of development tool options or is there only a single one? For
3: the Arduino? Yes. Your number one tool, there are a couple other tools, but the Arduino IDE has been evolving through the years, and it's really the place to go because you can integrate all of the new boards just with a, It actually the library manager, you can say, you know, go add this new board, and it will add the board as a drop-down menu in the IDE, so I would say the IDE is your one-stop shop for the Arduino. Uh, Does it support Pico? Um, It will in that Arduino bootload. I do not believe it will in the Python. For that, you've got to go the recommended Python route, which is still relatively new to me. Yes, Bill.
5: Uh, How hard is it to put the the Arduino bootloader on the
3: Pico? No, my understanding, how hard is it to put the uh, Arduino image on the Pico? and basically, you hold the boot select button down, and it will go and pull down that bootload image off of a, it's basically a little mini computer. It, it reaches out and finds a shared drive, kinda like your USB becomes a shared drive when you hook it up to a PC, and it will find that image and pull it down. So you hold the boot select button, it pulls the image down, that's all you do. So you
5: don't have to add a bootloader to so.
3: it? No, it's got the bootloader. It just adds this as a bootload image. So then, when you power up the board, now it's natively Arduino, and it will talk to the IDE just as if it was a standard Arduino board. Any other questions? Oh, come <laughs> on! <clears throat> <clears throat> did, did I totally stun you or bore you? How many of you are sleeping here?
1: <laughs>
3: yes, sir. I'm um, into uh,
5: rocketry, and we altimeters uh, so we can deploy parachutes at home. I think
0: somehow
5: yeah, to take the the balloons. Yeah. To do that, you have to have a, a voltage, right, to definitely be charged. for that. A lot of people have done that. I've read about it, but I don't know anything about how, how to do it. Uh, now, what, what kind of
3: weight are you talking about on your payloads? Uh, six pounds. Oh, got plenty of room for a power then. Yeah, I mean you can easily do it with an Arduino. Um, you know, think transistor driver or relay. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably want a relay or something, something a little more fail-proof, because you don't want the thing exploding on the ground, but um, yeah, it, you could easily do it with, with a little 5-volt relay or, or what have you. Yeah, yeah, well you've got, well, video telemetry, the Arduino itself doesn't do video, but it can control the starting and stopping of a, a video recorder. You're probably gonna If you've got to move into the video side, you're probably going to want something like a Raspberry Pi itself. That has the video capability since it's basically a little Linux computer.
4: Anybody else? Yes, sir. If I want to power my Arduino or Raspberry Pi uh, solarly, I would imagine. uh, Is there any easy off-the-shelf solar cell battery that would be sized for something as small as that? Um, Bill Brown,
3: who is doing the high altitude balloon forum after me, he would be the one to talk to about low power because all of these balloon trackers are powered by solar cells. Oh. Okay.
4: okay. And that,
5: my, that brings up the question, what is the average current drain on this Pi uh, Pico? I meant to look that and up. How low can you get the current drain? Uh,
3: I have been told it's very low but I have not actually seen the specs. That was one thing that I kept overlooking. And I, every time I'd start to do that, I'd get called away on something. So I'd never really looked that up, but it, it's, it's very low. And it is been touted as a low power solution. So I would, I'm gonna say very low.
5: If you want to go low power, you probably want the version that doesn't have Wi-Fi on it. Right. That withdrawal. Well, that's a
3: separate Wi-Fi chip. So really what you want is the RP2040 chip and build from there. Because the actual memory is an external SPI bus
4: memory. So it's however you want to roll it there. Or at least the ability, since I've only been operated a fraction of the time, to be remotely being able to turn it on and off. I believe it has
3: sleep mode built in on the chip, yes. And I remember seeing this. It's just I was trying to cram so much into what I had that I just overlooked two or three things. Like I say, this is a brand new presentation. I was actually reading it because I don't remember writing it.
4: Yeah. It's cool. I'm so glad to walk through this because I've looked at all these things and I'm like, this is taking so much of my brain. Right. That was the exact
3: same thing and then I hit the Pi Pico, and again, when A00 came to me and said, we want a Pico Python book, and I'm like, no, no, it's not where I want to be. No.
1: And <laughs> I kept
3: getting subsequent news feeds and pieces, and I'm like, maybe I said no too soon. Yeah, it's all it's hard. For yeah, so I, I went crawling back to AWRL, and I said, you were right, I was wrong. Big
5: <laughs> hey uh what uh, is there a on the Pi Pico? Is there a camera interface to the Arduino Cam, or, or is that any way of interfacing the two?
1: What? How
3: does the Arduino Cam interface?
5: Uh, I know on some of the res, bigger Raspberry Pi's there's a special
3: connector. Okay, no, it doesn't have any video capability like that. If there's an Arduino library for a camera, then yes. Like an SPI type camera, yes. But outright, no. You know, th- Think of it as an Uno on steroids. It's the best way to look at it. I mean, when I saw the 133 meg, I was mm-hmm. like, cool. Then I saw the dual core, and I was like, it's cooler.
1: <laughs>
3: and then I saw that with the Python... You could run two simultaneous programs, and I'm like, whoa. Now we're getting into real-time operating system stuff. And when I saw the 133, whatever, the megahertz, my brain just froze. Um, But I saw the speed on that. I was just like, this is exactly what I have been looking for. Now we're talking SDRs and all of that cool higher-end stuff. Yeah,
5: Bill? Is there a way to run an Arduino program and a
3: Python at the same time? Uh, no, because the bootloader is separate. Oh. You have to bootload the image into flash. So no. Now the question I have is, what about that one that has the STM32? On the flip side, yeah, how how you know it shares stuff? So can you actually do both at the same time? That's going to be an interesting question. I'm going to say no because it shares too many resources and clock cycles and stuff. But you never know. And that could be the next step down the road.
0: And
4: why we multiplex there?
3: Yeah. I, I just like the idea of, oh, turn the USB cable over and i got a different processor. Memory management. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that coming down the road. The hardware is becoming a com- commodity now, really. And the software is this unified environment. It's the same thing on the Python side. They're they're standardizing on the MicroPython, the CircuitPython. So you've got that one language to rule them all aspect again. You use their uh, development environment. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's you know a single Python, but it's interpreted. So you can literally you know, but you just use their editor, and so. The, the Python side of it really is appealing, but I still love the Arduino because you know. And this is why there's going to be a transition book on the Arduino on the Pico because there's just so many cool things you can do with dual 133 megahertz processors that you can't do. Yeah. Your
4: book. <laughs>
5: uh, another question. I've got to sell books. Uh, can you throttle the uh, processor speed down to? That service? I don't know. I know you can do
3: that with the TNC. Yeah, I'm not sure you can do that with the, goes back the to your pickup. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I have not seen it, but I wasn't looking for it.
4: Yes. Anybody else? Well, thank you. Yes, sir. I don't know if the, this is where that camera question was going, but um, my house is. I have, I have a bunch of the, the, uh, uh, the Pi interface camera. I find the Pi Zero. Thing. Again, yeah. That has that interface and requires right. very little power, and then you can control storage, put your video feed up to NAS. Right. And, uh, you know. And it's cheap. It's cheap. Yeah. Well, it's not right now, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <running> right now. <laughs> I got one, what's it worth?
3: <laughs> I actually built one as using the, the Pika or the 5 W as a uh, a gas pump skimmer detector because I had my gas pump or my, car, my credit card get skimmed at a gas pump and what they are doing they are opening up the pump sticking their board in between and ribbon connectors all match and then they're transmitting the credit card data off on Bluetooth.
1: Hmm.
3: And I there was actually uh, Make Magazine had a Raspberry Pi uh, Pico version not Pico Pico uh, Zero Zero version. And I said no, and I made an Arduino version. And it actually, it worked. It also picked up every open Bluetooth signal on the highway. (laughs) I could have fun with your GPS. (laughs) I could send you out into that next cornfield and you would never know it. (laughs) Yes, sir. Anybody else? Okay, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed it. And next up is going to be Bill Brown and his high-altitude balloons using an Arduino. (laughs) No Python.